I want to turn your attention uh, tonight to Luke chapter 10 and verse 40. Luke chapter 10 and verse 40. I just want to share with you a thought that the Lord put on my heart as I was coming back on the plane last night and was just reading um, a little bit about Isaac. I want to share with you uh, something that I feel like hopefully will be a um, blessing to you. Uh, Luke chapter 10 and verse 40. Uh, this is um, an experience that uh, the Lord had with his friends, uh, Martha and Mary, Lazarus, lived in the city of Bethany. Uh, but Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she helped me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, Martha. I may have added one Martha there. <laughs> thou, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Uh, I want to teach for a few moments tonight on this subject, the antidote for anxiety. Antidote for anxiety. The John chapter 1 and verse 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Don't let your heart be troubled. I like the way that verse words it because I think there's some insight and that is this, don't let it. You have to give your heart permission to be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. When your heart wants to be troubled, you just say, nope, you're not allowed. You do not have permission to be troubled. Because your head rules your heart. Your understanding is more important and more powerful than your feelings. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, these two words are the two words that Jesus used to describe the activity that Martha had involved herself in. Careful and troubled. Well, troubled, we understand that word, but let's look at careful for just a moment because really the word careful translated uh, from the Greek to the English is more closely aligned with the word anxious. When he said be careful for nothing, he wasn't saying just be really reckless, you know, with all of your decision making. That's not the correct interpretation. He was saying, be anxious for nothing. And anxious, we know, is a form of the word anxiety. It's the, the troubled aspect of your heart, the unrest uh, nature of your soul. Don't let those fears control your actions. Paul was saying that. He was saying that you shouldn't give in to this uh, anxiousness or this anxiety. 
be careful for nothing. But, you know, that's a lot easier said than done. It's a lot easier to say, oh, you shouldn't be anxious about that. And is how I feel. I don't know how to turn that, turn that off. I'm anxious, you know. Um, I, was, I was flying out. Uh, Sister Amy and I were um, into uh, uh, New Orleans to, to drive up Mississippi for this past weekend. And we were, they, they, on the airplanes, you know, they scatter everybody out now. And, and somehow we got positioned where there was a, a gentleman behind me. And I think he was anxious for the flight. Because he was, a, he was a large gentleman, and both feet and knees and legs were going like 100 miles an hour. And as we got closer to takeoff, they started going even more, and literally my entire seat was shaking. <laughs> and uh, I, I tried to kind of turn around and look, you know, like, um, this is bothering me without being too rude, but... Um, it didn't, it didn't subside, and as we got ready to go down the runway, it increased. And uh, at some point, I realized that he was anxious about the flight. And uh, once we took off and we got up in the air, uh, he settled down, and I was very thankful for that. <laughs> but, you know, I could have turned around and said, oh, you know you're bumping my seat and all, but as much as he probably didn't want to bother anybody around him, he couldn't turn off the fact that he was nervous about the flight. And we have, all of us have different fears and anxieties and all. And, and so what I want to try to do is give you a, a, some sort of a biblical formula. I think all the answers are in the word of God. And I don't think it's only for salvation. I think the answers to life's issues are in the word of God. Everything we need to have quality of life on a daily basis is in the Word of God. So how do we, how do we live? Now, we're, we're, in a, we're in a culture right now where there is a lot of fear and anxiety and anxiousness. So how do we not let these fears uh, control our actions? Well, Paul says, uh, but with prayer and supplication. Now, I, I want to sort of piggyback off of what we were talking about, um, I guess it was now a week ago Sunday when we were talking about a mission revival and we were talking about how those uh, 120 believers in the upper room were unified together and um, when the Holy Ghost came and as they were going back. And you remember that those two words were included in the description of that climate. It says that they were, they were in one accord with prayer and supplication. So I noticed that these two same words were here. Paul says, but with prayer and supplication. So it appears that this prayer and supplication uh, brought unity, brought the favor of God, brought the blessing of God. And it, it, it also, I think, was the cure for their anxiety because they were anxious. You remember as they stood there on, on, the, on the Mount uh, of olives, and they, they, they saw Jesus ascend going to heaven. They just stood there, and they just kind of looked into the sky for a long time, not sure what to do, where to go. They were anxious. They were uncertain. They were uh, uncomfortable. And the two men in white apparel angels came and said, you know, don't forget to go to Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued with powerful on high, and had to remind them. And they went back, and 
they went back and they started to take care of business and so forth. There was, there was a, a lot of uncertainty, but somehow through prayer and supplication, um, they, they got unified and they began to pray. And of course, you know, the Holy Ghost was poured out. Well, they were in one accord. It was with prayer and supplication. Now, as Paul is explaining this, uh, the need for this uh, to deal with an, an anxious heart in the book of Philippians, he adds uh, this, this word, thanksgiving. It says, with prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving. So if you add thanksgiving to your prayers and to your requests, it will guard against anxiety. Paul, later, later on in the same letter of Philippians, he says, if there be any good thing, think on these things. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, you, you can't worship and praise God without thanksgiving being a part of it. Have you ever tried to, to, to offer praise unto God and do it without a thankful heart? That's a really hard thing to accomplish because thanksgiving is a part of praise and worship. So we can be stressful and troubled or we can be prayerful and thankful. We can be stressful and troubled or we can be prayerful and thankful. I believe that if we do the latter two, prayerful and thankful, it will guard against anxiety. And here we are on the eve of Thanksgiving. And we're being told now not to have Thanksgiving. Has anybody heard these crazy things going around? Brother Green was telling me that in Oregon, the, uh, the, whoever the official is out there, the governor or the mayor, they've said, you're not allowed to have Thanksgiving with more than two family members. And if you do, we are sending the police. The police are coming to your house if you try to have Thanksgiving with too many family members. What country are we living in? Say what? We can't have Thanksgiving now? And somebody else has come out, and there's all these different states, somebody else that's come out and said, if you have Thanksgiving with your family, put your mask back on in between bites. I'm not making this up. <laughs> Can you imagine? And, and, and I got to thinking about this, Thanksgiving uh, it must not be a very uh, treasured holiday in the minds of the cultural elite uh, because, you know, it's one of those things that we just maybe want to try to just restrict it until uh, people won't go over to uh, their you know, family's house and, and have, a, have Thanksgiving. And I got to thinking about the sort of the, the root of Thanksgiving and how that this, this nation was founded upon uh, this, this holiday of thanksgiving. And guess what they did? They prayed. 
And they said, Lord, we thank you for providing this food, and we thank you for the freedom to live in this land, and, and we're thankful and thankful and thankful and thankful, and we're just going to call it Thanksgiving. And so every year, we're going to have Thanksgiving, and we're going to be reminded of how God is good and how God has blessed us. <laughs> but here's what I believe. More than just a meal with family, and I don't care if they regulate it, if they made it illegal to eat turkey, we're going to still find something to be thankful for, not just one day a year, but I believe if you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, you ought to be thankful every day before you turn on the news, before you go on the internet, every day that your eyes open up and you're still breathing air, you ought to say, Lord, I thank you for another day. I thank you for another opportunity to worship you. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know a God that is great and greatly to be praised. And I give him thanks. I want to give you that as just a homework assignment. If there's something you're feeling anxious about, when you start to feel that, begin to give God thanks. And I think you'll see that the Lord will begin to help you. Let's unpack this a little bit more. Let's start with the word trouble. And I want to, I want to start by reading uh, a little bit about um, a fellow that I think you'll recognize in the Word of God. He had a lot to be troubled about, but he always found a way to be uh, used of God. Let's start in Genesis chapter 25 and verse 21. And uh, for just a few moments, I want to I read some scriptures to you. And I think there's some principles that we can extract from this uh, that will help us uh, to know how to deal with that anxiousness that we feel sometimes in our spirit. Uh, it can be sometimes about a health issue. It can be about a family issue. It can be about finances. Uh, it, 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 there's a lot of challenges uh, for us, and, and certainly the Word of God uh, will give us strength. Genesis 25 and verse 21 and Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife. That's, there's prayer and supplication right there. Because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. In other words, Lord, you are the one that caused me not to be barren anymore. I'm with child. But why is this? such a struggle. And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb. Isn't it amazing how God works? <laughs> he just sort of give you a double for your trouble. And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from my bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. There were twins in her womb. Isn't it? <laughs> Here's something that I want to just share with you because I think before we go past this real quick, I think there's a principle here. Don't be troubled with a temporary lack of answered prayers. There's times whenever you and I may pray and we may feel like that uh, our prayers are not being answered or, or, or maybe it's just life that's given us some sort of temporary setback or we don't feel like we're being as productive as we should, or there's something that we desire that's, um, that sometimes just seems like it's, it's not ever going to happen. But I want to encourage you today by saying, when you're in that, that temporary period of time, don't be troubled.
Because sometimes the biggest miracles come from barren situations. Sometimes the biggest miracles come from barren situations. So when you're in the midst of that, don't be troubled. God's going to help you and God's going to give you a blessing for what you're going through. Verse 25, and the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. They called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel and his name was called Jacob and Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. Now Jacob came out of the womb in a struggle. He was competitive, but he just um, ended up getting the heel of his brother. He was trying to get out first, but he, he just got a hold of the heel. Um, this is another principle. Don't be troubled because of your past or present position. Jacob could have said, oh, I was so close, but I was born second. I'm always going to be second. I'm always going to be in second place. Because Esau was born first. And he, apparently, from his life and what we read about in the Word of God, and just the mere fact that he had a hold of his brother's heel coming out of the womb, meant he was a bit of a scrapper, wouldn't you say? He was, he was constantly, you know, uh, fighting and felt like the underdog, but uh, he was not um, a person that would just sit on the sidelines. It appeared that he was anxious to uh, be able to uh, compete to be able to win, to be able uh, to be a part uh, of the blessings of God. So sometimes it may appear that, you know, it may be something small, but it may be small in your eyes, but God loves to do big things and impossible situations. And sometimes you may feel like, I just keep coming up short. I just, I, I'm working as hard as I can, and it just seems like all I can get a hold of is a heel. But I want to just encourage you tonight, if you'll just hold on, you're going to make it. Even if it's just a heel. Someone said, if you get to the end of your rope, just tie a knot and hang on. <laughs> I heard a story about uh, a guy that was uh, riding a horse that he had not ridden before. It was up in the mountains and the horse was uh, quite spirited and was galloping. And, and he was trying to get him to stop and he couldn't get him to stop. And finally he got him to stop. But when he did, he just stopped on the dime on the edge of a cliff and, just, and, the, and, and, the, and the rider uh, of the horse just went over the cliff and, and grabbed a hold of a little branch sticking out of the side of the rock. And he looked down, it was just hundreds and hundreds of feet. And he's hanging on and he's like, oh my goodness, how am I going to survive this? He tried to climb up and he couldn't. And so he just started praying. He said, God, if you're really a God that's alive could you give me a word right now? And the heavens opened up and the Lord spoke to him and said, I am God, just turn loose and trust me. And the man looked down below and he looked back up and he said, is there anybody else up there that I could talk to? <laughs> Sometimes we get a word, but it may not be the word that we want. <laughs> Uh, but if we can just hold on, God had already prophesied when Jacob was born, God had already prophesied at this point that the younger would serve the older, but Jacob did not know that, but God had already set it in motion. And I was reading, uh, uh, these verses to my, my sons a number of years ago, Luke said to Gregory, see there, 
You are a minute older, but you will serve me. It's in the Bible. <laughs> so many times, though, as humans, we let our past disappointments dictate our future dreams. And don't ever allow your past to dictate your future. Because as long as there's breath, as long as there's life, there's hope. And God is a God, hallelujah, that can turn any situation around. Don't let your heart be troubled. God has a plan. Even Jacob's name was derogatory. It meant supplanter or one who grabs the heel. I mean, they even named him after his failure at birth. It figuratively means deceiver or cheater. He could not allow his identity to stop him from getting what he desired. And you don't want to let your identity stop you from getting what you desire. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It matters what God says. He's going to have the final say. And so if I can get myself in a frame of mind to say, Lord, I, I'm anxious, but I'm also thankful. And I want my thanksgiving to be louder than my fear. I want my thanksgiving to be louder, louder than my troubled heart. I want my thanksgiving, my prayer, my supplication. I want it to be what is uh, predominant in my mind because if I can give thanks to God, hallelujah, then that fear, that uncertainty, that troubled, that, un uncer that uncertain uh, belief of what the future holds, that can all be subrogated to a heart that is full of praise and thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Amen. It helps us to be able to know that God's at work. Genesis 25 and... Verse 27, and the boys grew, and, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Now, the name Edom means red. You remember we read that when he was born, that he was, he was red? Uh, they, they literally named him uh, Esau, meaning Edom. Edom means red. But it's important because it shows that Esau uh, was also the father of the Edomites and the prophecy of two great nations in her womb is being fulfilled. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. Now this birthright went to the oldest male child and the birthright was more than just a financial blessing or a family blessing. It was a spiritual blessing. And one of the things that I think is so important in serving the Lord is what Jacob demonstrated right here. Jacob demonstrated that though he wasn't positioned for the promise he was hungry for the promise and you have to keep a hunger for the things of God Lord I want more of you today than I had yesterday boy I want more of you tomorrow than I had today you got to stay hungry for the things of God 
It's so important to have that hunger, even if you don't always go about it right. If you will keep a teachable spirit and a strong desire for the things of God, God will honor it. Don't let your heart be troubled. God will honor it. And Esau said, verse 32, behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? You can see there he takes the bait of instant gratification. And Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore unto him and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now the reason the Bible adds that is because him selling it was proof that he did not value it. He didn't care about the things of God. It's not enough to just be in the right position for the blessings of God. You have to have the right perspective. You have to know what is valuable and what is not. Because if you can determine what is really valuable in life and what is not that valuable, then you can guard what is valuable and you can discard what will cause you to fail. So many times the enemy wants to confuse us with that and change it up and cause us to value things that are really not all that valuable. In fact, can be destructive. And then to be careless about the things that are so important. All of that contributes to fear and anxiety when we don't have an understanding that the important things that God has given us are things that we're going to guard. That's why I know you've heard me say it many, many times, but I feel like it's important to repeat it right here. That's why when we worship God, we don't worship God because God is on some sort of an ego trip and he's going to get upset if we don't praise him. We praise God for what it does for us, not what it does for him. God doesn't need our praise. God has all of heaven full of angels to praise him. But when I think of the goodness of Jesus... When I say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Amen, amen. It changes my perspective yes, as to what's really valuable and what's really important. Genesis chapter 26 and verse 1. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the, per, Phil, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father, and I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That's something right there was the promise that didn't even get fulfilled until grandson Joseph was born. And where did all that blessing take place? In Egypt. All the way back, the Lord had already promised, and I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. It was in Egypt. They went in there just a, just a small group of people. But 400 years later, they were a nation of some 2 to 3 million people as God delivered them out of Egypt. 
It was promised all the way before in the very location. Verse 5, because that Abraham obeyed my voice and I kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws, and Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Now, this is something that I believe is important because I, I do believe that a lot of times our anxiousness comes to us because of our kids. Maybe because I just have teenagers now. I can all of a sudden relate. But I'm sure that I caused my parents to be anxious at some point in my life. Is that true? My mom and dad are both here. My mom is really nodding, very fervently nodding. <laughs> if you've ever raised a teenager or if you're in the process of raising a teenager or if you've ever been a teenager, raise your hand. There's some just dishonest people here, I guess. There, there is a certain blessing that is upon your children based on how you serve God. Sometimes when I get anxious with my own kids and I feel like my boys are playing video games too much and they need to be outside, you know, witnessing and knocking doors and, and saving souls and changing the world. The other day, uh, we sat down and we were talking about these three good men in our church that are fighting cancer right now, Jimmy, Frank, and Steve Gailey. We were talking about cancer, and I was just talking about how I hate this disease and what it does to people, and just, I get emotional even thinking about it. But I said to my boys, you know, if you guys could figure out a cure to cancer, I'd really appreciate it. And they look at me and they're like, we'll, we'll put that, Dad, on our list of things to do. <laughs> of course, you know, I mean, I understand that's speaking in grand terms, you know, of be really good if one of y'all could figure out the cure to cancer. Okay, Dad, we're just 16. <laughs> we're just trying to figure out how to get rid of zits right now, but we'll work on cancer later. They didn't say that, but being a 16-year-old, I know what they were thinking. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes whenever, you know, you get stressed out thinking about, you know, are your kids going to turn out right? Are they going to make the right choices and all that? I think you have to step back and say, wait a second. There is a promise that's given to us that if I will serve God with a pure heart, that if I will have a heart of thanksgiving, that if I will give to the things of God, there is a promise that goes with that, that God is going to not only bless me, but he's going to bless my kids also. So when I want to get anxious about them and the decisions they're making, I've got to also remind myself that God is a good God and God is a God of promises that he has set in motion based upon your faithfulness. So don't let your heart be troubled. This blessing is upon your children. And even if they're not serving God right now, don't let your heart be troubled. There's a blessing upon them if you and I live right. It's not over yet. They may not be in church right now, but I feel like I'm talking to somebody. It's not over with yet. And you say, but old pastor, you know, I haven't always done things right. That doesn't mean that you're excluded from the promises of God. Let's read Genesis 26, 7. 
And the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, she is my sister, for he feared to say, she is my wife, lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. And it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out at a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. I'm not sure exactly what the word sporting means, but I have an idea. Verse 9, and Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety, this, she is thy wife, and, and how saidest thou she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, lest I die for her. Now, he's the parent, and he is not making the right decision. He lied based on a fear that he had. I want to say this again, and I know I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. Most decisions made in fear are the wrong decisions. That's why if you feel like you're making a decision and it's based in a defensive posture of fear, you don't need to make that decision until you go to God in prayer. Prayer plus supplication plus thanksgiving. Prayer plus supplication plus thanksgiving. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But God, you've got to help me to make the right decision, not based on fear, but based on a spirit of thanksgiving that God is going to help, that God's going to see me through. What is interesting here is that this is the same characteristic that Esau showed when he exaggerated and said, if I don't get some of that pottage, I will die. Now we see where he gets it from. Isaac said, I was afraid I may die. You're not going to die. Where's your faith? The point is this. Parents are not perfect. We're not perfect. We're not perfect parents. And our parents were not perfect parents. So don't let your heart be troubled. You don't have to be perfect. You got a God that's perfect. <laughs> Hallelujah. Someone said, but oh, pastor, you don't know my family. My family is so dysfunctional. Well, you're in good company. The first family on the earth was dysfunctional. One of the brothers killed the other brother. So don't let your heart be troubled. God knows you're not perfect. All right, Genesis 26 and verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year an hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. Notice that... Notice that the Lord blessed him even though he had sinned and lied because of his fears. God does not punish you because you made a mistake. Now, he may allow the natural consequences of that wrong decision to affect you, but he does not personally take vengeance because you slipped up. Would that really be the nature of a loving God? Verse 14, for he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. This is the natural consequences of blessings. You may sometimes get crossed up with people because they're crossed up with God. It has nothing to do with you. It's just the nature of the beast. Don't let your heart be troubled. 
Say, I don't know what I did to that person. I don't know why they're so upset with me. It could be that they're upset with God and themselves, and you're just in the way because you're in the flow of God's blessings. And it's a mirror, and it's showing them their shortfall. So they take it out on you because they can't really take it out on God. So if you're being targeted, maybe it's a, a, maybe it's a boss at work, maybe it's a co-worker, maybe it's a, uh, an acquaintance. Instead of returning evil for evil, give thanks. God, I thank you that you bless me so much it makes others uncomfortable. Amen. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. As soon as God starts blessing you, it's going to make other people envious. The Philistines envied him because of the blessings of God. You can't measure the favor of God with the anger of man. You can't measure it that way. You've got to know, Lord, if I just give thanks to you, if I keep every situation within the confines of prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, I'm not going to measure the circumstances I'm in based upon the opinion of others. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to give you praise for every situation. I gotta hurry, I'm gonna be done. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. See, they were trying to stop those blessings. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham, and he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. He didn't say, well, we've got to go find new wells. He said, I'm going to just go ahead and dig in the same wells that my father had. The dirt, the cares of life, the things that would trouble your heart. I'm going to get all the dirt out of the well because deep down inside of every one of us is a well of praise. It's a well of thanksgiving. It's a well of, of, of a good mental attitude. It's a well that wants to help, that wants to encourage, that wants to share, that wants to be a witness, that wants to worship. There's that well, but hurt and pain and dirt and strife and stress and all of these things try to clog up your well so that all you want to do and all you can do is live in fear and anxiety. But the Lord is saying, I'm going to bring all that back. Oh, hallelujah. That same well that produced life in your father is going to produce life in you, Isaac. All you got to do is go back to the same source. You don't need a new source. You don't need a new place to go. You don't need a new God. You just got to go back to what you know has worked before and get the dirt out. And Isaac said he even called it after the names of which his father had called. Woo, Hallelujah. I'm so glad we've got the name of Jesus that we can call on. We don't need the name of any other God. Hallelujah. Everything I need, I find in Jesus. Bring it to remembrance and call. This is a place of blessing. This is the place of worship. I'm so thankful that we have 
our forefathers that have given us an example of what it is to worship God in every situation, not to try to find a new well. The well of living water that is in the Bible that has been passed down to us is not anything new. It's not that we need to somehow uh, find a new philosophy or find some new solution. All we've got to do is get the dust off that book, hallelujah, and go back and say, I call the name of Jesus, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Go ahead and get a hold of the names that are in the word of God that you can name your blessing after. Mm, I think we ought to do that right now. Would you stand to your feet? Oh, I feel like we ought to spend a couple of moments and give praise to God. Come on, would you lift your voice for just a moment and say, God, I'm going to give thanks and praise unto you. You are great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm going to let my prayer, my supplication be made known unto him. Hallelujah. I call out the names of my miracles. I bring to remembrance all the blessings that you've given me. I call them by name. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, God. You've been so good to me, Lord. Hallelujah. You've been so good to me, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, you're going to take my sorrow. You're going to turn it into joy. You're going to take my heaviness. Hallelujah. You're going to give me a garment of praise where I can worship you. In the midnight hour, I can cry out unto you. For you are great and greatly to be praised. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let everything that hath breath give praise unto him. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord, you take away the anxiety. You give me joy. Hallelujah. You give me peace in the midst of the storm, Lord. Oh, I worship you, Jesus. There is none that is like unto you. Hallelujah. One thing have I desired and that will I seek after. Oh Lord, you said to Martha, you're troubled, you're nervous, you're anxious. But Mary hath chosen that one thing that's so important. She said, I'm going to give thanks unto the Lord. I'm going to spend some time at his feet and I'm going to bless the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I feel like it'd be good to spend just a moment at the 
at the feet of Jesus right now and just say, Lord, I'm going to bless your name in spite of whatever you may be going through. I'm going to glorify the Lord. If you want to come to the altar, you're more than welcome. If you want to spend a few minutes in your seat, just lifting up your hands and your voice. Come on, let's just spend a few moments right now at the feet of Jesus. I'm not going to be troubled. I'm not going to be anxious in my spirit. That one thing, I choose to do it right now. That one thing that's more important than anything else. To say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you've been so good to me, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, what a mighty God you are, oh, Lord. You are great and greatly to be praised. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord.